Right. So the order of ceremony for the gala day is really quite complicated. I've had a look at this. I got sent this. I feel like I've now got the, uh, the instructions for, for some secret operation. Um, there's a speech by the ex-king and queen, which would have been Calvin and Keris, wouldn't it? I'm going to have to do that bit. And the herald speaks the first part of the speech and then salutes before returning to place. The chief maid removes the queen's headdress and places it beneath the throne. Looks like that's already happened. That's good. Uh, Ex-king and queen take queen's hand. King to crown bearer. Ex-queen takes hand, kneel, places... Good grief, this is complicated. So, well, we're going to have to do this between the three of us, okay? So the first thing that I need to do is to take on the role of the herald, I think, and the ex-king and queen. So, oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. Oh, that was fun. Ye lieges of the ancient parish of Gore Bridge. It used to be Stop Hill, but it now includes St. Paul's and Temple. So Gore Bridge it is. Your king and queen are now about to be proclaimed. Okay. I command your strict attention. I'm a father of eight. I can barely do that with them. Whereas on this important occasion, this is a speech by the ex-king and queen, we are pleased to greet our loyal subjects in their name and to extend a hearty welcome to all who have come to join us in our present celebrations. Let it be known that we desire our royal, in capital letters, will and pleasure to be set forth and published in the following proclamations. That we enjoin all our faithful subjects to cultivate a spirit of peace, charity, and goodwill towards one another. That we desire every envious thought, unkind word, and mean action to be banished from our realm. And that we counsel a cheerful and ready obedience to all parents, teachers, and elders, we have been told. That we urge the practice of industry and diligence and desire for a knowledge and wisdom. And that it is our earnest wish to encourage a love of truth and beauty a tender regard for all the works of nature and a spirit of love and gentleness towards all the weak and defenseless creatures. So be careful how you tread later on. Further, it is our royal wish that this day be given over to innocent pleasure and sport. Have you brought a football, Georgie? Oh, nuts. Have we got a ball? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, that our loyal and devoted subjects may conduct themselves honorably and that each may strive to secure the happiness of others. Given at our court of Gorebridge this third day of October in the year of our Lord, 2000 and... Oh, they didn't fill in that bit. Uh, 20. 2020. Now, that's got to come from... Well, that's from King Calvin and Queen Keris from last year. God save... The king and queen, right. Who wants to go first? <laughs> Has anyone got a coin? No, no one got a coin. Georgie, heads or tails? Uh, heads. You win, right. <laughs> Georgie, you have been selected to be the gala king this year. And by the power vested in me by Debbie and Fiona, I now proclaim you Gala King of Gorebridge and surrounding districts. Hooray! Yeah. 
Wonderful. Caitlin, I think you know how this is going to go. You're looking gorgeous today. You're, aren't they looking wonderful? They've been putting so much effort for this. Brilliant. Now, by the power vested in me by the Gorebridge Gala Committee, and by Debbie and Fiona, this is true, and Davy Calder, and all the rest of the good folks there, Caitlin and I proclaim you to be Gala Queen of Gorebridge and surrounding districts for the year of 2020-21. Right. If you push up, I'll push down a little, okay? There we go. Ready, you got that? Yay! There we go. It's on. Right. Now, if this was X Factor, we'd now play a touching backstory as to how you got here. But it's, it's no. So, I'm going to ask you how you're doing. Are you flat terrified? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Lots of people on the live chat are busy sharing what role they had in the gala day. Joe Cameron was saying she was a flower girl. Chris O'Brien was saying that he was the herald. And this is a big day for you guys. You might be terrified at your wits just now, which is understandable. But, but, it's a big, big day. It's a big day for you and your family and your mums and dads and grannies and granddads and aunties and uncles and whatever else are going, we did okay, aren't you? We did okay. Big day. Now, that's a wonderful thing. So, this has been a weird year, right? Has it been a weird year for you guys? Been a weird year for you guys? What things have people missed doing during the lockdown? You missed doing anything? Football. football, kicking a football. That's it's an important one, isn't it? Absolutely. Anything else? You missed anything, Caitlin? Going to Thailand. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah, absolutely. The guy who's playing lecky guitar there should have been in Singapore this summer, too. Um, you guys have my sympathy. That sounds like fun. So there's been lots of stuff that we've had to give up, and one of them has been giving up um, what, we, what we usually do at the gala day. There's no fun fair out there. There's, you know, all of that stuff. But the one thing you could guarantee you'd get at the... Um, at the gala day, is once, once you've got there and you've done your stuff, you get a goodie bag, right? You get a goodie bag. This is true. The one year there was a lot of leftover goodie bags. I've never seen so many boiled sweets and empire biscuits in my entire life. It was a little paper bag, do-it-yourself diabetes kit. It really was. So, I have a question for you, because you're back at school now, right? Okay. Um, now, usually, we send our kids for school lunches because it's easier to give them cash than to make their lunch because we make all the other meals. But they have been taking a packed lunch. So what I want to do is to assemble what's, what's the most important thing in a packed lunch, what you've got to have in your packed lunch. And this is open to the live stream, too. If you want to put down what you want in your packed lunch, let me know. What kind of things? So what about for you, Georgie? Two apples? Wow. Does that make a pair? <laughs> I wish we had a drummer. I'd have got a da ching for that. Okay, so two apples. That's a lot of munching. That's, and do you eat the whole apple? Or do you just skirt around and you eat the whole apple? My granddad, all he'd left with was stalk. You, any of you guys have a granddad like that? They'd eat all this. Oh, just munch the whole lot. Really? How about for you, Caitlin? What's the essential bit of a packed lunch? A, 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 
a pepper. Really like, a, oh, hey, how about, all healthy. I was looking, I was trying to find an unhealthy packed lunch on Google Images, this, and I, I really, st- I had to scroll through a few pages before I found a Kit Kat. Okay, so let's see on the live stream, what's, what are people saying of the essential ingredients of a packed lunch? Nobody's come up with anything. Steak. There we go. Man after my own heart. Some cow. <laughs> I need to refresh. Is, is there any? Oh, either, uh, here's Chris O'Brien. Either a miner's piece, which is cheese and jam. Okay. And uh, my mom liked that. Okay. She wasn't a miner, though. She failed the medical. Now, or a cheese and pickle sandwich. Oh, that's a, that's a sandwich. Cheese and pickle. Oh, Dan's saying cherry tomatoes. Joe's, Joe's saying juice and crisps. That's it. Absolutely. Abigail Ramage, chocolate. Any chocolate. That's okay. All right. Let's see. Where are we going? Where are that's what we've got so far. Oh, Tracy's saying a piece of fruit. Talitha's saying McDonald's. I don't think she's got the hang of that. Tracy is also saying an egg mayo sandwich. Oh, with that whiff you get when you first open the box. That's not right, that. Claire is saying water. There you go. By the way, Claire's a doctor, so you'd have thought she needed more energy than that. Um, Willie Webster, mixed nuts and water. Oh, that's lots of... Joel saying toasted cheese panini dipped in soup. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, Billy Ness, nice ham and pickle sandwich. Bananas or grapes. Apple or orange juice. And Vicky Nicholson saying salad. There you go. And I can hear Chick, Chick Kilpatrick will be watching this. Salad, you'll say. That's rabbit food. <laughs> Excellent. So is there anything else you'd want in your pack lunch? No. Iron brew, good shout. One thing I like in a packed lunch is a pepperami, and when it's not there, it's a bit of a pig. Thank you. So, packed lunch, kind of important thing, isn't it? Good. Today we're going to be looking at, um, at the Bible contains the story of, of God basically interacting with human beings. And we're going to look at a story there, um, and it's from Jesus' friend Matthew. He, uh, he gave an account of something that happened. In fact, Luke and Mark and John also give an account of the same event. It's fantastic because they all bring out little details. But Jesus had just had a hard time. His cousin had just been murdered by a bad king, bad king called Herod. Don't be a bad king like him, okay? He just murdered a guy called John, who was Jesus' cousin. And he got that news, and he, he went off in a quiet place. But people followed him because Jesus did amazing things. We'll get to that in a moment. But one of the guys who followed him had a packed lunch, okay? And in that packed lunch, he had, okay, bread roll, one of them. And he had another bread roll. There we go. And you can see where this is going, those of you who went to Sunday school. Bread roll. Yep. He also had a bread roll and another. You got it. Bread roll. Must have been a war baby. They had bread with everything. 
Now, and he had two little fish. Now, I know some of you will be as excited for me opening this tin of mackerel as I would be about Tracy opening her egg, egg mayo sandwich in a lunchbox, but that's the best I could do for fish. So thank you, Joel. That's from his stash. He'll get that back later. So five loaves of bread and two fish. I think those of you who know your Bible know where we're going, but we're going to read this story together. So here we go. When Jesus heard what happened, that is that his cousin had been killed, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. That was one of the things that Jesus did consistently. He helped out people who were sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. That'll be Talitha's McDonald's right there, right? But Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Which we know from another gospel, they got off a lad who they found. Bring them here to me, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass. Then taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks, broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate that day were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. That's quite a story, right? I mean, 5,000 people, that's the whole, that, that's a busy gala day, 5,000 people, isn't it? Those are the sorts of crowds that we haven't seen really since the start of lockdown, those of us who went to events or concerts or football matches or whatever, 5,000 people. And that's just the guys or women and children too. So this is one of these things that we call a miracle. It was, a, it was one of those times when Jesus did something that's kind of like, how do you do that? And we all don't know. There must have been someone about him. And there was. The story of God's story is, is um, well, right at the start, we get the story about how God made us, yeah? Uh, God made us. God made um, everything that is, the whole universe. The, one of the things, sometimes when people say, well, I, I can't believe in God because the universe is so big, but they're forgetting who God is, you know? God's, if God is God, God is the one who can create the entire universe. Yeah? That's a big job. Bigger than your job this week? Bigger than my job this week? It's a big job. And so God made the heavens and the earth, and He made everything in it. Um, Christmas Day at 3 o'clock, we always did something as a family. Maybe you did too. What do you do at 3 o'clock on Christmas Day? Absolutely. You like two apples? The queen likes a peach because you sit down for the queen's peach. Fruit-related gags. We can do them all day. Now, here's the queen delivering her queen's speech last year. And the thing about the queen is every single time she gives a Christmas message, she always refers to Jesus, in whose name she was crowned all the way back in the 1950s, before most of us were here. Queen Elizabeth has this idea that as queen, she serves another king, and that king's Jesus, because she's a Christian. And everybody who follows Jesus has the same kind of idea, is that no matter who we, you know, when Nicola Sturgeon's up telling us, or, or there's something comes from Boris Johnson or someone, we've got to do, wear a face mask, you know, no more than six, all that kind of stuff. We, we try and do it, okay, because 
They're trying to look after the country. Fair enough. But the thing is, is that the queen, who they're under, realizes that she's under someone too. And the person she thinks she's under is Jesus. So let's just press pause. How do you get that a carpenter from a little town in the north of what's now Israel, from Nazareth, ends up being the king of the queen of not just the United Kingdom um, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, but of the entire commonwealth of Australia and Canada and, you know, so many places over the world. How, how does she end up being queen of that lot? And how does she end up having a, a king over her who's Jesus, who's this carpenter guy? Well, that involves us telling a story. You see, when God made the world, it's, it's very interesting. That speech that would have been read out on the, on the gala day there recognizes that sometimes we need help to do the right thing, right? Is that right? Do we always do the right thing if left to our own devices? Oh, no. No. Um, I remember once hearing a preacher say, the you you are is the person you are when no one else is watching. There's a thought. Who are you when no one else is watching, you know? Um, I've got a friend who's a writer, and he said, Billy Connolly nicked one of my jokes. He's, he's getting on in years. I said, oh, well, what's that? He said, I had this joke that don't trust a man who, if left on his own in a room with a tea cozy, or it's a light hat for your teapot, doesn't try it on. And I think there's something in that, isn't there? You know, when no one else is looking, we, we can have fun. You know, so, some of you like to dance when no one's looking, you know. Some of you like to sing when no one's looking. Some of you like to put on your favorite TV show that you would, uh, uh, that you, that you would be uh, embarrassed maybe to own up to liking. Uh, a friend of mine was doing a children's talk at a church once, and one of the elders there, he was, he was a very straight-laced elderly man who always wore a gray three-piece, uh-oh, a gray three-piece suit. I haven't got a waistcoat, so. And he was asking everybody, what are your two favorite things in the world? And he asked, and he thought, I'll, this guy put his hand up, and, I, and, and he said, okay, what are your two favorite things in the world? And what he said was, Guinness and Baywatch. There you go. Guinness and Baywatch. You guys won't remember Baywatch. So, who you are on your own, what you watch, what you do, that says a lot about who you are. But sometimes when we're left our own devices, we do things that are wrong. So that's why that speech was saying, hey, look, we, we encourage you to have fun, but be kind to one another and all that sort of stuff. Look out for one another. Um, one of Jesus' most famous sayings is, do, uh, do to others what you'd have them do to you. You know, treat other people like you'd like to be treated. It's a great rule of thumb. So God made us if God made us, He made us to have free will. We've got choices about things, right? I mean, right now, you guys are doing a good job of choosing not to run away, for example, or make a rude face in the camera, or, you know, or do something that will get you in bother later. You're resisting that. And all these people here, look at them. They're, they're keeping their masks on, and they're, they're doing their thing. But sometimes we do things that are wrong. And this world is, there's all sorts of things. We only have to look at the news to see things that are wrong. Things that are wrong that people do, and things that are wrong that are just part of them. I mean, like the coronavirus. What's all that about? Until you look a bit closer and you find out that most viruses are actually helpful, they've got very important place within um, the created order. And there's just a tiny number of viruses that cause us real trouble. And one of them is a coronavirus. 
and there's all sorts of coronaviruses, and we're, we're having to come to terms with a new one. So there's bad things happening in the world, and there's bad things that we do. So the part of how God created us was we could do, we could make choices about what we do. We can do a good thing, we can do a bad thing. And we'll have that thought in our head. Because so many bad choices were made, and God is good, this world went away from where it was intended. And so God chose a family, He chose a family of a guy called Abraham that became the Jewish people, and through them, He promised there would be someone who would come to rescue the world. Now, that person, as Christians, we believe is Jesus. So Jesus is, yeah, He's a, he's a, he's a guy. He's, I mean, just as Malcolm's sitting there with his camera and stuff, He's just a guy. Or Joel's at the camera, or Akeem's up at the desk. Just a guy. But he was more than a guy, too. Let me, let me give you a… Um, here's a slide. The, the God's story in the Bible is that God makes us, that we go astray, that God chooses this family um, that all come from a couple called Abraham and Sarah, and He uses them, the Jewish people, to share the good news of God's love with the world and the story that He will rescue them. And from that people comes this guy, Jesus. Now, Jesus is human, but He's also God. Now, okay, how do you, how do you figure that? God and a human. How do you figure that out? Well, He was human. He, he grew up in a family. He learned to tie his shoelaces. But he was also God because he chose to do the right thing every time. And he did good things. And God was in him. Well, we'll come to that in the moment, in a moment. So he was able to heal people, sort things out, and take a boy's packed lunch and feed a whole field full of people. He was God. He was human. There's... Um, um, this is from a letter that was written by one of the early people that followed Jesus. And, him, and this, is, this is written about 20 years after Jesus died and rose again, you know, the story of the cross. And he wrote this to a church. He said, for he, that's Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, from everything that's bad and sad and awful and horrible in this world. And he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's Jesus. In whom we have redemption... Redemption is where you pay off somebody who owned a slave and get them back, or pay off someone who had a hostage and get them back. The forgiveness of sins. For the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created. Right. Back to my face, because I need to do some explaining here. So, this is within 20 years or so of Jesus death and resurrection. People, really smart people, really, I mean, the guy who wrote this, Paul, was, he was a guy with a big brain. He'd reckoned, and he was reckoning a lot earlier than that, that Jesus, yes, was human, but what he did at the cross was the rescue plan for all of his friends, all of his family, for, yes, the Jewish people, but not just the Jewish people, but the Romans who were occupying the land, and not just the Romans, but the Greeks, and, and people from all over the world, Africans and, and Asians, people from all over the world um, who needed rescuing from the badness and sadness in their life. 
And according to Paul, Jesus was able to do that. That's what he does at the cross. At the cross, he takes all the badness and sadness and horror and, and yuck in the world, and he takes it to himself, puts it in the grave, and rises from the dead with a new life that he then offers to other people. That's the story. That's the big story of the Bible. And Paul's saying, not only was this Jesus walking and talking, when he's writing this, there's people who were eyewitnesses who knew him, who knew his mom, you know? Maybe one or two people had a cherry made or something like that because he was a carpenter. And Paul was saying, through that same Jesus, because Jesus was God come as a human being, everything was created, including you, me, and all the stars, planets, whatever. So, the God story thing is this. The, God, the Creator God has become part of the creation and rescue. Now, I'm going to ask a question. The thing is, is that so, some folks here, you're Christians. You, you've, you've decided this story is true. And some of you aren't sure. This question isn't for you, although you, you're welcome to think about it. But those of you watching on the live stream who know Jesus for yourself, I want to ask you this question, folks in the room here. What difference has Jesus made in your life? What difference has Jesus made in your life? I'm going to ask him. You don't have to worry about it. What difference has Jesus made in your life? Now, it's going to take 20 seconds for the folks on the live stream to catch up with us. And I'm just going to refresh the live chat, and we're going to see what they say. Now, they're still talking about packed lunches. Look at that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, they're having the chat about Jaffa cakes, whether it's a cake or a biscuit. Uh, you guys know that story? So, cake is essential, and you don't pay VAT on it. Biscuits aren't, and you do pay VAT on it. And um, the story goes that Her Majesty, well, the old customs and excise, it's now part of Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, took McVitie's to court because they reckon they should be getting VAT on it. Yeah? They should be getting VAT on a Jaffa cake. It's a Jaffa cake. It's a biscuit, right? And so they hired a fancy lawyer, and the fancy lawyer won the case. What did he argue? He argued that a Jaffa cake was a cake. He said, the definition of a cake is that when it's fresh, it's soft, and when it's stale, it's hard. But a biscuit, when it's fresh, it's hard, and when it's stale, it's, it all makes sense, doesn't it? They did bake, they did bake a giant one. Right. So, Joe Cameron was saying, oh, okay. So, here's the difference. We're starting to get the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Made me happy. Given me peace and love. Live life with purpose and found that it, it and found love that's unparalleled to anything. Grace and love. I know that God loves me. What else? Oh, Beth Morley's saying that Jesus helps me to be kind. Yeah, spot on. Well, I'm Beth. What else we got here? What, what's the difference that Jesus has made in your life? Okay. And why am I asking that question? Here's why. Oh, security and direction from Keith. So, 
Here's the difference Jesus made in my life. To, to be honest, I knew that I would, I knew my dad was called Clive and my mom was called Iris. I had a sister called Catherine who was a big sister, so you know, tread carefully. And uh, I knew I grew up in Dalkeith and that I went to Dalkeith High and Kings Park Primary. I could tell you all sorts of different things, you know. I knew I really liked heavy metal music. Really do. Sorry, guys, if that's not your thing, but, you know, I was with those guys waiting to the very last song at the disco. If you put enough leverage on the DJ, maybe you'd get a song, one song in the night, um, whereas everybody else who liked the Bee Gees, they had a great night all night. So, I knew those things about myself, but I didn't really know who I was. Not really, really, really. Why was I here? What was my purpose in life? I didn't know. And there were folks around about me who knew Jesus, who stalked me shamelessly. Let's be honest. They invited me to stuff. They, they shared stories with me. My mom and dad were Christians. They were praying for me. And it wasn't until I figured out that that Jesus guy who took that packed lunch one day and used it to feed a multitude of people, that he was not just a good guy that it was worth looking up to, and not just someone who'd had a profound influence on our, on our history, but actually was alive and cared about me and wanted to help shape and direct my life. Once I figured that out, I was like, and I know I'm a minister, so I, I'm kind of like a professional Christian. But most of the people here aren't. Brian who opened the doors, he's an engineer. Um, Akeem's a systems guy who's on there. Um, Liam, who's helping with the sound through there, he, he helps stop hackers nicking your money if you're an online banker. So, you know, just give him a virtual high five on the way out because you've no idea how scary that can be there. I think he deserves a round of applause. Um, Colin, who's in there, his day job, he used to run a particle accelerator. There's Alice there, used to work in the accounts department of a company. And I mean, there's lots of people else, but there's a care. Agnes worked in housing. And, and uh, just, there's, there's, most of the people here are not professional Christians. They just discovered that Jesus has made a profound difference in their life. And that, that rescue plan for the Jewish people, for all humanity, still works today. Still works today. I remember chatting, I had, a, I had a friend, Jim, and he was doing a, 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 he was going into school to do an assembly. And he said something at that assembly. He said something at that assembly. He said, he said, uh, anybody here a Rangers fan? He was a blue nose. He was a Rangers fan, right? Okay. You a Rangers fan, Georgie? Celtic. Celtic. This is going to deeply trouble you, Okay. He said, following Jesus is like, if you're a Rangers fan, it's like you're playing with Rangers, you're 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go, and you score a hat trick against Celtic in the cup final. But it's better than that. You can reverse it if you like. You can do the Parkhead version of that. But that's, the, it, it made that profound a difference to him. But it wasn't really him that was telling me that story. It was another of the ministry candidates who'd been in that talk and had heard him say that and was also becoming a minister. And he got to tell that story back. He says, I remember you, Jim. You were saying that at that assembly, that it was better than scoring a hat trick when you're 2-0 down in the cup final in the last 10 minutes of a game. It's better than that. And I really... 
It is. It just is. It just is. Have we gone dead? No, we're back. Good. Just a wave to everybody out there in internet land. Do you want to give them a wave? Go on, let's get the camera on the king and queen, and you can give them a wave too. Is there anyone you particularly want to say hello to? Uh, To your next door neighbor? Yeah. Yeah, what's her name? Jackie. Jackie. Brilliant. Give Jackie a wave. Just look at that camera and give them a wave. Hi, Jackie. Spot on. Anyone you particularly want to say hi to? Caitlin? No, you're quite happy. to. Just give a general queen wave to everybody. Oh, look at that. You've been, hey, been practicing. Okay. So, here's the thing. I know so many people, so, so many people, and this this town, who've got a story of how Jesus has made a difference in their life. And then you think, hang on a minute, he's the king that our queen reckons that she's under. And that's the thing about Jesus, is that, yeah, he's king, but he serves us. Here's a bit from another letter that that guy, Paul, with the enormous brain, wrote to another church. He wrote this. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, just like you and me, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then, of course, he rose again. And then Paul goes on to say, you guys be the same. You do the same. So, the the big God story in the Bible is how God made us We took the gifts that God's given us, our free will, stuff like that, and we used it to turn away from Him. But He worked out a rescue plan, and through Jesus, that rescue plan happens. And then that same Jesus, who has God come as a human being, who's risen and alive and with us by His Spirit today, He serves us. He serves us. So many stories of when He served us remember when my youngest daughter was born, and she wasn't breathing, and it was the longest five minutes of my life because they whisked her off. It'd been a tough time. My wife had been ill. She, you know, she nearly died while she was pregnant with her, and then she, she was born, and she wasn't breathing, and I remember I held my breath. It was like I was holding my breath with my new baby daughter, and the first person I turned to in my distress was Jesus. And I said, oh, Lord, make her breathe. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited. And she came back, and she hasn't shut up since. (laughs) I'm going to be in so much trouble when I get home. So, the king becomes a servant of all. And indeed, when I serve that king, that's my job too. So you're going to be king and queen of Gorebridge for a year. Rule well. Okay, rule well. But understand that there's people that you're under too, you know. Still got to do what your mom and dad tell you, even though you're king and queen. I mean, if they're making sense. And then there's the queen, but she sees herself under that king, 
who I guess you're kind of under too. But if you choose to come under that king, you'll find that he spends your whole life serving you. It's the most amazing, topsy-turvy thing. So, I'm going to finish talking now because you guys, you guys have done really well. And those seats are quite hard. Did we give you the cushions? Oh, really sorry. Anyway, thank you so much for joining with us. Thank you, family and friends of Georgie and Caitlin. Thank you to the gala committee and all our tech team. Everybody who's here, thank you so, so much for making this a special occasion. And uh, just because we're going to show this slide once more, but I'm going to encourage you, this year as your king and queen, as your king and queen, remember that the king of the universe decided to come here and serve each one of us and rescue us from all the badness and sadness in this world through the cross. And he's risen and with us. And if you're feeling the pressure of being king and queen, know that he's with you. And that even our queen sees that she's under that, under him. But then because he serves everyone, he serves her and us. I hope you remember that. And I hope you have a, I hope you have a great day.